Stories, fables, ghostly tales. Welcome listeners to your Wednesday night episode, where I'll be sharing three true encounters of the Let's Not Meet kind. If you have never heard of Let's Not Meet, these are accounts of real encounters and near misses of people being harassed, almost being abducted, stalked or abused in some manner. Let's Not Meet stories from my perspective are not about entertainment, but rather lessons learned, a means for people to think through the situation themselves when hearing these encounters. Asking yourselves these kinds of questions. What would I have done? What are the risks in taking that action? Will that action generate more risk or less? And what are the first steps to take when in situations like this? People ask these questions all the time in these dire situations, and depending on your environment, those questions can mean life or death. Before I jump into today's episode, a big thank you to chickpea underscore 2020, I hate bad movies, and Poppy Juni for allowing me to share your encounters. At the end of these stories, I'll be going through what to do if you're being stalked, some insights and research on stalkers, as well as other do's and don'ts. Now this episode is explicit and not for little ears, so please listen with caution. So please turn the lights off, the sound up, and let's hear our first story. Subreddit Let's Not Meet Saved Me From A Predator by Chickpea underscore 2020. To put this into context, I am an 18-year-old girl living in New Zealand. I suffer from anxiety and shut down in stressful situations and become rather overwhelmed when I'm not sure how to deal with something. This story happened yesterday whilst I was waiting at my bus station to catch a bus home. I'd had a long day at work and my legs were in pain, and all I wanted to do was get home and watch some YouTube in bed. It was getting dark and the sun was almost completely down. As I was listening to some music in a rather deserted area of the bus station, a man considerably larger than myself sauntered up and sat directly next to me on the bench, which I didn't think much of. To put this into perspective, I'm roughly 55 kilograms. He must have been at least 100, and could have easily overpowered me. I noticed out of the corner of my eye that this man was staring at me, and began to feel a little uncomfortable but pegged it up to him looking at my mask. It's rather nondescript and just black. I ignored this and acted busy on my phone to avoid talking. As I said, I had a long day at work. The man began to talk and I pulled out my AirPod to listen to what he was saying to me. The airpod fell and landed on the ground, to which he picked it up for me, held onto it and stared at it for a few seconds before handing it back to me. I was already getting bad vibes from this man. The conversation went something like this. Your eyes are beautiful. Did you get them from your mum or your dad? Um, my mum I guess. I kept my replies short to try and signify I wasn't in the mood for talking, but he continued. What bus are you catching? Where do you live? I laughed nervously and told him I didn't feel comfortable sharing where I lived. But I told him it was farther up north. He then said, Why? It's not like I'm going to rape you. Isn't it really fancy up there? 
This was where I began to feel seriously uncomfortable and began to shake. He asked if I had a boyfriend, to which I said yes, and he proceeded to ask if I planned to marry him, to which I laughed and said yes. Oh, it kind of sounds like you're just rooting him. Are you sure you want to marry him? I was shocked and looked at him before telling him again, yes. I do plan to marry my partner. How old are you? I don't know what came over me, but I told him I was 21, to try and make it come across that I was old enough to stand up for myself. Are you on the pill? I'm sorry, I don't feel comfortable sharing that and don't see why you need to know that. Oh, so you use condoms instead, eh? I wanted to walk away, but I was grounded to the bench and couldn't move a muscle if I tried. I was uncomfortable and confused as to why I was asking these questions. Do you have someone waiting for you at the bus stop, or are you walking home? How far do you live from the bus stop? This is the question that made everything click into place, and I realized this guy has a malicious intent. He's not being friendly. This man is going to follow me home and either rape me or kidnap me. I started to really panic and started desperately looking for onlookers. A young man, possibly my age, walked out of the public bathroom last and had overheard this conversation and was looking at the predator rather skeptically. I knew then I'd at least have someone to help if I just asked for it. I didn't. By this point, I recalled a video from subreddit r slash about a highly pregnant woman and her daughter being followed to their car on an empty car park in the dark by an older man. This lady was stressfully trying to find her keys in her purse as this man was standing beside her daughter on the opposite side of the car making small talk with them. He had gotten patient and had walked away before she'd found her keys. Someone commented on her submission saying this was a popular thing and that he was waiting for her to unlock the car so he could get in and control her via threats of her children. It occurred to me that I should skip my bus and catch another one at a later time. I did this exactly. He kept trying to ask where I live, and I continued to refuse telling him where. He also continued to ask how far I live from the stop and if my partner was waiting for me. I deflected all his questions and after 40 minutes, he began to get grumpy and walked away from the station. He wasn't there to catch a bus at all, but to prey on young women at a bus stop. I caught my bus about 10 minutes after he left and I ran home, where I completely broke down and cried in the arms of my partner. This morning, I was so stressed, I contemplated taking the day off work and staying in bed the rest of the day. I was petrified. I didn't miss work, I'm at work posting this. After that, I definitely decided that perhaps, let's not meet. Internet friend obsessed with me for three years by I Hate Bad Movies. When I was in the 8th or 10th grade, I was extremely involved in this small building Minecraft server. The average age was probably 15 to 17, and I joined a group of builders and Skype with them every weekend for hours. We all became close fast and trusted each other enough to follow each other on Instagram. I became particularly close with one of the builders in my friend group named Peter. Peter was in the same grade as me and we ended up texting quite a lot. I heard rumors that Peter might have a crush on me. He denied them. 
which I found laughable because it was the internet and brushed it off. Everything was fine for a while, until something began to feel off when I talked to him. I was starting to constantly catch him telling small lies. This bothered me, so I figured it was time to distance myself from Peter and stop talking to him. Cut to a few months later of no contact and Peter out of the blue texts me that he's going to be possibly transferring to my high school so he can get in-state tuition for college. Peter's plan is to somehow live completely alone and support himself while in high school. My stomach drops when I read the text, and I know this feels very, very off. I try to be calm, and I tell him that his plan is crazy. I tell him that it's oddly convenient that he chose my random suburb. Peter insists that his plan will work, and it's just a coincidence that he is going to my high school. I'm trying to call Peter's bluff and hoping he is just screwing with me because I cut him off. Peter says he bought the plane tickets already, and is going to stay in my town and to visit some high school in the area. Fear washes over me and I realize Peter definitely has some very unhealthy attachment to me. Peter was not bluffing. To my horror, he posts a picture on Snapchat at the airport. Peter asks to meet up while he's there and I of course decline. Later, I see on his Snapchat story that he is taking a tour of my high school. Peter is taking lots of videos and pictures probably hoping that I can see. Luckily, I am stuck at home with pneumonia. I spend the next few days on edge and afraid he was going to ring my doorbell at any moment. Luckily, he was not smart enough to find out where I live, and he flies home and does not follow his plan. The baffling part was none of my old group on the Minecraft server thought he was doing anything creepy. I felt like I was going crazy for thinking this was weird. I thought my rejection for this meetup and continued no contact would be the end of it, but about two years later, I was committed to my dream college. I still stupidly followed Peter on social media because I wanted some warning if he came to my area. Once again, Peter did. I see him posing in front of the library at my college with a caption saying, transferring here is definitely the move. Cut to a few months later, Peter finds out I had a boyfriend and directly contacts me for the first time in two years. He starts asking strange questions like, Will he protect you? I shouldn't have answered, but for some reason I did. I finally blocked him and stopped following him on social media out of fear. He has not tried to contact me since. Definitely made some mistakes because I was young and scared, and had others telling me it was not a big deal. So Peter, let's not mate. Online Fan Turned Stalker by Poppy Junie I've never posted to this subreddit before, but after working with authorities, I feel safe enough to share my story. For context, I'm female, 20, started an OnlyFans account over the summer to support myself through school, and things were great until I posted my Amazon wishlist. Amazon doesn't release your address to people who gift you items, but third-party sellers can, and that's where I went wrong. By the way, not trying to promote it here. This is a very frightening story, and I feel like it should be shared. In late July, I got a puppy. One night around 2am, I took him outside to go to the bathroom. While he was doing his business, I noticed a car parked outside my family home. I saw a figure in the car and could tell they were looking at me. But I couldn't make out their face because it was pitch black outside. Feeling a bit uneasy, 
I picked up my puppy to take him back inside, and when I started to move, the car parked in my driveway. I sprinted back inside and locked the door, but they never approached my house. The next morning, I went to check the mail. There was an envelope addressed to my OnlyFan name with $20 in it, but no note. I was currently still at home with my parents who had no idea about my OnlyFans account, so I didn't mention it to them. A week later, I moved back to my college town to get ready to start school. At this time, I had stopped posting for the time being until I could figure out how they got my address. I've watched enough crime shows to know there's a possibility I could be in danger. I live in a duplex with a gated parking lot for reference. One morning, I was planning on vlogging my trip to Target because I was planning on starting a YouTube channel in the future since OnlyFans felt unsafe. When I got to my car, it had been ransacked and my vlogging camera was missing. I know it's my fault leaving it in my car, but I was using it the night before, and since I live in a gated area, I didn't think it would be unsafe. It wasn't in plain sight either. I had hidden it in my glove box. I used that camera to film my content, and the SD card that was in there had all of my unreleased photos and videos. I know they stole it just for the SD card. Anyways, this is where the story gets weird. There are cameras outside in the parking lot, so we were able to watch this person break into my car and find the camera. And they didn't touch any of the seven other cars on the lot. They knew which car was mine, which suggests they had been watching me for a bit. After they got to the camera, they walked around the duplex until stopping near my window. My bedroom faces an outside street, and my blinds are broken so it's very easy to see in. I have a curtain, but it doesn't cover my window all the way. This person watched me sleep for an hour or so. I have no idea why they didn't try to break in, but thank God they didn't. This person then sold the camera to a pawn shop, and since I knew the serial number, the police were able to find it. However, my SD card was missing. I believe the police are still trying to track them down but I've broken my lease and moved to a new place, so hopefully, that will keep me safe. Hey guy who terrorized me at my home and apartment and stole my camera, let's not meet. First up, I'm glad all three of these lovely people escaped unscathed physically. The emotional trauma though can be long-lasting unfortunately, but with time and support from those around them, they'll not only recover, but pass on these learnings to others around them. Let's talk about stalkers and the mentality of those that stalk others by understanding the definition of the term. A stalker is defined as repeated and unwanted attention, harassment, contact, or any other behavior directed at a specific person that would cause a reasonable person to feel fear. Statistically, 2-13% of males and 8-32% of females are victimized by stalking at some point in their life which is a crazy statistic. Stalkers don't always follow one means of stalking their victim though. It can be physically shadowing their victim, as was exemplified in our third encounter, constant communicative abuse or one-sided contact, exemplified in our second encounter, physical and ongoing harassment or unwanted attention, exemplified in our first encounter, voyeurism, watching from afar and often the first step in stalker progression, Stalkers with a relationship to the victim already, titled the acquaintance stalker, doubling down on their presence around their victim. Intimate stalkers, 
those who attempt to forcefully get to know you, to push and insert themselves into your lives. Those are the most common, with 74% risk of violence when those encounters take place. So Chickpea underscore 2020's gut feeling was bang on. They knew exactly where his intent lied as the questions became more and more specific. These stalkers all have motivations. Some are sexual, obsessive, ownership, or burn stalkers, where the target has unknowingly offended the stalker in some way, and this is their retribution. There are though five specific profiles that fit the stalkers from a motivational standpoint, which are as follows. The rejected stalker, the person was rejected in a relationship, and they perceive it as an insult, they feel wounded, and they are seeking vindication. The resentful stalker, these are self-righteous, self-pitying people who may threaten, but they are the least likely to act on it. In our second encounter, we see the stalker say, will he protect you? Imposing not only that he would be a threat, but also that the target needs to be protected by someone like them, and they would be the one to do so. The intimacy-seeking stalker, they believe they are loved or will be loved by their victim. The incompetent, this person is socially backward, he doesn't really understand the social rules involved in dating and romance. This can happen, but much less likely when it comes to let's not meet encounters. The predator, this is about sexual gratification, control and violence. The stalker doesn't necessarily know the victim. The victim may not know they're being stalked, but a predator plans their attack, rehearses it, and has a lot of sexual fantasies about it. Of these profiles, I could do a breakdown for each in more detail, but that will be for another episode. What I want to focus on is, what should you be concerned about, and what action should you or could you take? First up, what are the warning signs? You might immediately start getting several phone calls or emails right after meeting the person. It can be excessive, repetitive, and wrapping up into more personal questions. As we saw in our first story, the person is clingy, controlling, or upset if you want to spend time with friends and family. They don't see the line between your own personal space and their needs, a strong narcissistic character trait. And also the aggressive trait, where you're hit with the barrage of personal questions one after the other, trying to put you on edge and also, to some extent, manipulate you. Now, should you reject any of these, respond aggressively perhaps, well, you might run the risk of that person becoming violent. Stalkers are criminals, but they behave in a stealthy manner, or at least to the public eye. They have an agenda that doesn't lend themselves to robbing you, at least not directly. Stalkers want something from you as a person, not as an item, and rejecting them can lead them straight into a violent rage. The advice I've researched leads to every case proceeding with caution limiting opportunities for interactions like what we've seen to take place and de-escalating or distracting them till more positive opportunities eventuate, like seeing another person or finding an authority figure. The key focus from discussions in this space was that if you needed to, gently explain that this situation isn't right for me or I'm not ready yet. The last resort is to behave aggressively, as this may prompt them to take what they want instead of going through the motions to win your trust even if obtaining that trust is just not possible. Whilst strangely enough, in some cases, they simply can become disinterested and leave you alone. It's very hard to predict the outcome when dealing with a stalker, let alone being able to profile them. But once you've had your first encounter with them, and you think this may be reoccurring, you can quickly identify and develop tactics on how to deal with them. Distance and barriers is a good example of one such tactic, putting up roadblocks to mitigate communication and points of contact. 
all valid and effective tactics to dissuade a stalker. Lastly, the next best thing you can do is tell everyone you know about what is happening to you. Alert those who care for you, like family and friends, and alert the police so they have you on their radar. Especially useful if you can't escape a situation or have an ongoing problem with them physically. The more people that know the risk and pressure you are under, the quicker they will be able to respond if this escalates. So, I hope I provided some insight to some of you out there and gave you some tools and understandings to deal with stalkers or at least how to look out for them and what to be wary of. A big thank you again to chickpea underscore 2020, I hate bad movies and Poppy Juni for sharing their story with me. And a big thank you to my O night tea titan Maya who relentlessly supports this podcast via Patreon at a jaw dropping level. Much of what I do would be dialed back without your kind of support. So thank you so much. And my three white tea warlords, you lead the charge of keeping this podcast growing and improving. And even in this episode, you'll notice it's getting that much clearer. And that's thanks to people like you. And of course, my old grain forces, Chad Warren, Just Heather, Paige Marcini, Peter Effeli, Tasha Moncrief, Christina Boyd, Divided by Zero, Dolphin and Cow, Michelangelo Yacone, Tea Time Drinker One, and Chris Moller. Thank all of you lovelies that support the podcast. If you want to be like these legends and send some love my way, visit www.patreon.com forward slash sfgt, where you can support me directly. It all goes back into the podcast, and every donation counts. I'm a little bit under the weather still, guys, but I'm on the mend. My nose is completely blocked, so my apologies if anything is a little bit unclear. I'll go back and re-record any parts that don't sound right. <laughs> But anyway, join me Friday for some no-sleep stories of the macabre. And as always, till next, we meet.